0: Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode. This is number seven. It is a super special episode as we have our first guest on the show, Herb May, the head of growth at Rounds Hill Investments joins us to speak about his story, his experience and expertise in esports and the power of LinkedIn. It's just an overall great episode. We cover a lot of topics and I really think that you guys will enjoy it. So without further ado, this is The Lodges Podcast. Guys, welcome to Episode 7 of The Lodges Podcast. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez, the founder of Lodges Financial. Uh, We have a special podcast episode today with our first guest, so we're super excited about that. Um, To give you guys a quick outlook of what's going on for the podcast, we have our first guest joining us today and the next episodes to follow are also gonna have lots of other great esport professionals in the space, so I think you guys are really gonna enjoy that. Um, But we're just gonna hop right into it and get to our guest and learn a little bit more about him. So we have Herb May with us, who works at Roundhill Investments, Um, I met Herb actually over social media when he was at a prior position and I was trying to get in contact with them and he was my point of reference. So we got to chat a bit and then over the last couple of weeks or months, you could say, um, you know, we kind of created a relationship, follow each other on LinkedIn. And so without further ado, Herb, thank you for joining me.
1: Dude, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Great to be with you. It's, it's funny how uh, I remember your random email came into, uh, to our info, uh, email account at my last job. And I was like, this guy seems all right. I'm going to hit him up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. It's funny how things worked out. Um, so we just want to basically on the podcast, when we start to have guests here now, we really want it to just be kind of a storytelling moment about themselves, um, where they came from and all that. So if you just kind of want to start with the Herb May story all the way from when you were young to, to where you're at now, uh, we'd love to hear it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, Born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, sorry, I guess I'll start. I'm Herb May. Uh, I am the head of growth for Roundhill Investments today. But starting off, uh, born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. My life has been driven by the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. Uh, traditional sports fan through and through. Um, my dad and I section 252 season tickets for 16 years. Huge Baltimore Ravens fan. Um, and that kind of set off where I wanted to go professionally. My first ever internship was with the Baltimore Ravens when I was 17 as a scouting intern. I went to the university of Mississippi, uh, where I was a recruiting and coaching and intern uh, or assistant my freshman year of college, uh, kind of got a little bit, uh, not a, I got a sour taste of football in my mouth, uh, from that year, at the University of Mississippi. So my first internship, I looked outside of football, kind of started to see what else was out there. Didn't want to pigeonhole myself. Um, My junior year, I went to Wells Fargo where I did sponsorships uh, and sports marketing. And then I uh, went, I was kind of, I was ready to be done with football, at least professionally. Uh, And then once I was graduating from the University of Mississippi, I uh, went back and I worked with the NFL for the past two and a half years. I was introduced to esports right when I graduated from Ole Miss, a uh, life mentor of mine. Basically, he was an early investor in NVIDIA. And he sat me down and was like, listen, you need to. to Keep track of this esports thing, and I've always been a casual gamer myself. Um, never considered ever playing professionally, nor did I think it would ever be a career like it is today. But uh, started studying uh, the industry and the business, and the players in the business, and the, and the and players on the professional side and the um, on the athletic side. And uh, finally, after two and a half years at the NFL, it was time to move along, and I hopped into eSports and never looked back and I'm addicted to it and love every second of it.
0: It's awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. I can, I can agree with you there. Uh, what did you study at the university?
1: I was integrated marketing and communications. Uh, fun fact, we are the, I believe now it's the second ranked integrated marketing and communications school in the country, which is like bizarre. Uh, I think it's behind like, Boston College or something. I don't know, but it's, uh, it was, uh, it was a great school, great opportunity to do something that kind of gave you access to a lot of, a lot of different industries, but it uh, was, it was a, it was right. a fun, fun major.
0: Definitely. Yeah, no, and I know we have that SEC connection. So that was, that was also cool to have. So I kind of want to touch on it just a little bit, because, you know, I'd like to hear about it more on the, on the sports position you had there. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Like, what was that at, like? At old mess. Yes, yes.
1: Sure. I was uh, so I was a a recruiting and coaches uh, assistant right when Hugh Freeze had taken over for the University of Mississippi as their head coach. Uh, I was under Tom Allen and Chris Kiffin. Uh, Tom Allen, I believe now, is still the head coach at Indiana. Chris Kiffin is the defensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic with his brother Lane. Um and man, I was just doing grunt work. I was watching a lot of film. I love to watch <laughs> film. I love to uh, I love to watch the defensive side of the ball. Um, I was planning recruiting trips. I was printing out programs. I was helping with some game day operations. I was helping with a lot of the recruiting trips. And the cool thing is, well, it's actually I guess I don't know if it's really that cool anymore, but um, I was a part of the recruiting staff that brought in the the famed Ole Miss recruiting. Uh, class back. I forget what year it was, but it was you know Robert Condici, uh okay. Laquan Treadwell, and Laramie Tunsell, which you know two one guy is still thriving in the NFL, two really are not. But it was the class that you know kind of ended up getting us in, in the trouble that <laughs> we got in.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's it's cool to hear about that. Um, you know, with the SEC and all that, big sports fans. So that's cool that you got that experience, and I'm sure. There's so much you learn throughout that experience, you know. There, so that's awesome to hear about. Um, so outside of you know that during college, was was there anything else you were involved in? You know, any other hobbies you had, or was really studying and that take up you know most of your time during. That, that took year. up a
1: lot of my freshman year, um, which is why I decided to step away because uh, I was actually I did the fraternity thing. I was a Sigma Nu for two years, uh, and then gotcha. I also was doing the football thing, and you kind of had to pick one or the other. Uh, yeah, grades were grades were suffering, and uh, I remember <laughs> I remember my dad. He like you know he got uh, my first semester GPA came back with football. Brush, uh, you know, pledging, and and he was like, "Yeah, this is your one get out of jail free card. You need to, uh, (laughs) you need to tighten it up, or else we're gonna have a problem here." I was like, "That's fair. I appreciate it." Uh, So anyway, um, that was uh, the majority of what I did, and then uh, you know, I really thought about joining some clubs and things like that, but uh, I I was just going to school, having a good time, joining myself. Uh, I really did like that. My major, I've never, if I'm being totally honest with you, I, I hated school. I hated school outside of the things that I didn't care about. So your history, Spanish, English, I mean, like, you know, Oh yeah. yeah. That that stuff was grueling, but I had a really great, uh, professor Scott Feeney who, uh, he he knew that about me and was the only guy that really in college, I believe took an interest in me. And, uh, he really helped me grind my way to the finish line. But, um, and if you put me in an accounting class ever again, (laughs) 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 failed it twice.
0: Yeah, no. And, it, you know, it's tough at, at an SEC school or any big sports school. I mean, I know for myself at Auburn, you know, those home games come around on Saturdays. The whole town is revolved around that game. If you've got a test on Monday or Tuesday, it's almost impossible to even study or focus on it. So you can definitely understand that that's a lot to juggle. Um, yeah,
1: no doubt about it. Nobody nobody cares about your tests when, they, uh, when you've they got LSU coming to town. <laughs> no,
0: nobody cares at all. Definitely. Okay, cool, cool. All right, well, we're going to hop into your professional career in a moment. Um, but I do want to chat just for a couple of minutes here. Uh, you know, Lodges does focus on, you know, video games and esports and all that. And I know that your position does as well. So, you know, growing up, was, you know, what kind of games did you play? Uh, what Kind of what were your childhood memories with, with video games and all that?
1: I, uh, my dad and I crushed Mario Kart. I mean, we played <laughs> for hours and it was the one, he would, you know, he would always dominate me in ping pong. Like I could never beat him in ping pong, but, uh, but Mario Kart and video games were where I could, you know, announce my presence. We have the same name and we look a lot alike. So it was really my only opportunity to beat him in anything. So Mario Kart was, was one of my fame memories, finally beating my dad in something. Cause I still can't beat him on the golf course either, but, um, <laughs> I uh and then also me personally, Ratchet and Clank, man. I played so much Ratchet and Clank growing up uh on on uh on PlayStation that uh it was it was probably my parents were concerned. Um <laughs> so that was those are my two favorite games growing up. One you know, obviously got me connected to my dad and then Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank, man. I just loved Ratchet and Clank. It was so much more.
0: Right, right. No, that's funny. My wife's favorite game is is the Mario Kart and she's pretty good at it. So There you
1: yeah. go. There you go. I
0: struggle there. I struggle there. And so you mentioned and just to touch on it, so you always were just kind of and for myself too, you were just kind of a casual gamer. You just enjoyed Casual gamer. Yeah, that
1: that was early that was early game stuff. Um, You know, I've always been uh, I've always been a a fan of Madden. And then I mean, I I didn't wait a minute to get the new copy of NCAA. uh, So I was a huge I was a huge sports uh, sports game fan. And then once I got to high school, I could dominate in some NHL. So I've always (laughs) been a a sports gamer myself. Um, and then, uh, really, I, I played every single, co- you know, every single version of um, or edition of Call of Duty growing up as well. Yeah. Uh, right. Back from the the original, and then um, once Gears of War started coming out, I was a huge Gears of War fan. Uh, so those are probably my, you know, but always casual, always. I'm, right, I'm, I'm, right. I'm, a, I'm a, never a PC player. Always Xbox. Um, I never really had the the access to have a pc because i went to boarding school so there's mm-hmm. only so much that we could actually bring into our dorm rooms um and then you know people weren't lugging around big rigs in, in college so i've always right. been a been a console gamer myself
0: yeah no I'm, I'm the same i don't even know that i could play a video game on a pc to be real with you <laughs> will work out um, all right cool cool well it's great to hear about all that and and kind of your love and and all that. So, um let's get into herb now in his professional career. So let's dive a little bit deeper, you know, post college, um, you know, whether what was your first job, kind of what was your moves post college. Um, I know something else I do want to touch on that I've heard you speak about before is just for any near college students that are graduating soon the importance of you know looking for that first job prior to graduating. Um, I don't know, touch on all that and and your experience. Yeah.
1: Um, so I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, I've had a, a, my dad's been in financial services for his entire career and he's provided me excellent guidance. Um, and, and quite honestly, like if I don't, if I don't have his advice, I definitely don't, I'm definitely not where I am now. Um, so he has been just a a huge asset to me professionally, um, whether it be making introductions, teaching me how to, you know, behave myself, you know, behave in an interview, write up a resume. And he's, he's, been the the key in a lot of that stuff. Um, right out of college, I was I graduated December of 2016. I saw the investment. <clears throat> this is all, and this a lot of this stems from LinkedIn, by the way. Okay. Um, that, so. Uh, I worked for a company called On Location Experiences. On Location Experiences was the official hospitality partner of the National Football League, that, and uh, we sold Super Bowl tickets and corporate hospitality. Uh, so if you were going to Super Bowl and you needed a block of seats or you need hotels, things like that, we'd work with companies and, and, we, and we'd build out their corporate programs to so the event. Um, and Redbird Capital and Bruin Sports, two big firms that were purchasing On Location from the NFL to create its own entity. While maintaining that NFL ownership, and I saw that deal going down, and it turned out that one of the partners at um, one of the partners at Redbird Capital was the president of the accounting school and also a Sigma Nu at Ole Miss. Oh wow! So oh, wow. I was like, LinkedIn, ding ding <laughs> ding, networking. Let's go, you know, figure out. I was like, and I basically I, I knocked on these guys' door, email wise for a while. I was like, listen, just get me an interview. Like, please, like, let, let me, I'll take it from there. Just get me in the door and and, and get me a, an opportunity to meet with somebody. So I had right. the opportunity to go meet with on location CEO, John Collins, who's got a famed uh sport, a career in sports with the NHL and also the Cleveland Browns. Um, and really nothing, you know, we sat down, nothing ever really came from it. He's way too busy to be meeting with some grunt coming out of college. <laughs> um, but um Then I uh, was introduced to Chris Giles. He's now the COO of the Oakland Athletics. Um, And at the time, he was our director of sales. And for four months, so I I tell everyone, like, you can get a job that we're we're very lucky in this country to have plenty of employment available. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of jobs out there, but to get a job that you want, I tell people that you need four months. You need four months of either finding whatever role it is, finding the people that are hiring for that role, finding the people that you need to network with to get that role. Um, It takes four months. So right when I got through my summer, uh, my last summer at Ole Miss, and I had one semester left, I started to reach out and to communicate with Chris, follow-ups every two weeks, Uh, until the point where I thought I wasn't getting the job and I needed to look elsewhere. I had driven down to Florida. My parents were living in West Palm at the time and I was dumping off all of my stuff from college. And he, uh, he called me on my way back to Ole Miss to pack up my apartment. Uh, and he said, can you be in Dallas by Monday? And it was Friday. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, Sure guy uh yeah uh, no problem so uh re- pivoted and I left I packed up my stuff at Ole Miss threw it all in my car went down to Dallas I did a six-week internship with On Location lived out of my parent my friend's parents house um and a little bit out of my car and then I lived in Houston for two weeks for Super Bowl 51 uh I was in the stadium for the game got to help with some of the operations some of the stuff we we're working on and and hostel for the six weeks then got me my official uh job as a manager of premium sales for on location where i went up to new york for a year and i i began my career as a seller for the national football league um and i did that for about two years i did that for about two years uh sorry well i did that for a year and then they moved me down to atlanta for super bowl 53 and I did the same thing, just in market as you know, sales were a lot, uh, a lot higher, uh, and um, you know, a lot more in-person client, client-facing. Client to be honest, when I got to Atlanta, that's when my e my esports passion started setting in, my my addiction. I right. was doing a lot of networking, meeting a lot of people, not a lot of people who were buying Super Bowl tickets, so I was probably, <laughs> I was probably why my sales <laughs> were so low. Um, the company decided to restructure. I was restructured out. Uh, which was perfect timing because it was just time. It was time for me right. to, to get into this esports thing and it, it, it obsessed my mind enough. Um, and then uh, I went to a small little venue in uh, Duraville. I took a quick little contract job to get some experience in esports, and did that for free. Um, and then I got my job uh, with another venue here uh, in Atlanta. And I was their director of business development, where I was focused on um, building out partnerships, sponsorships, and helping uh, raise capital uh, as we were in the middle of a, of a seed round. And then I, I stumbled into my my role at Roundhill Investments. And I know that's a that was a long that was a long deep dive. I don't know if you want me to to dive into any particular section of that story.
0: No, 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 that was great. I appreciate you sharing. I think well, I think first off, one of the things that took away is that's awesome that you know while you were in college you know, getting close to graduation, you're being proactive to try to find that job that you really wanted. I think that speaks a lot, you know, about your character just because, you know, I've seen either friends of mine or other friends, you know, wait till after graduation and the next thing you know, it's it's tough and a lot of people get out for a couple months. So that's awesome that you were it's,
1: proactive. It's the biggest killer, quite honestly, man. I, I got plenty of kids like I just graduated. I, you know, I just got out trying to figure out what to do. I was like, what have you been doing? You know, right. it's 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 a it's gut wrenching to hear, and quite honestly, I'm so lucky that my dad is like, listen, dude, you got to start now. You can't just wait uh, to get you know day out of college and then get a job. And the interview process itself takes a month and a half, so right. you know you have to prepare you know, so much farther ahead. So quite honestly, four months wasn't enough time. I'd say, you know, if you've got something you know you want to do, you've got relationships, start creating them five, six months in advance. So the second you graduate, you are ready. I mean, not unless you're going to take a gap year or whatever the hell you want to do, but right. if you want to if you go to work, start five, six months before you graduate.
0: No, that's awesome. I think that's some great advice to any young or new college students we might be having graduate. Um, so I guess, can we kind of jump in a little bit with your position in Atlanta where you were the role of the business business developer. Um, talk a little bit about facilities like that right now in eSports. Um, you know, the importance of them. Do you see it as a current trend? Do you think you'll continue to see these pop up uh, around the U.S.? And, and yeah, what are your thoughts on that right now?
1: eSports and gaming facilities are popping up like wildfire. Everyone wants to try and figure out the secret sauce. I think some are... I think some are going too big, some are just meant to be small and want to and stick to a niche market, which are also great. I think some are overshooting and, and trying to start too many at once. Um esports is so incredibly it's still early, as you and I both know. I mean right. there's so much room for growth. And I think when you look from the outside in, there is all these huge news stories and great things going on, but you know, it, it's, it doesn't actually translate to what's happening on the on the base level. Um, so I, I think um, investments like the Philly Fusion in a fifty million dollar uh, arena in Philadelphia. I think that's too big right now. Now, if you're Comcast, you have that type of money, you can do that. Um, but I think the I, I think the real the real money size in these in these uh, venue spaces uh, are you know twelve thousand to fifteen thousand square feet. Um, okay. and you know, having over 80 systems is important. That's a crucial crucial your revenue and, uh, continuous events, tournament series, things like that. That's the secret sauce in this, but also investing in quality equipment. Um, okay. so, uh, you know, basically the, the theory of being a casual gaming facility that a professional player will practice at is, is crucial to these facilities surviving in my, in my mind. But uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, there is plenty of people that will stay home and just watch uh, on Twitch. But this is the, the, the new venue space, esports gaming facility market where you're coming and being social with people, you know, creating a bar experience and creating, you know, a VR experience. You have, uh, you know, you pro-capable pro, you know, pro uh, amenities that bring you out of your house and, and to a, uh, into a space. Uh, where you can collaborate, build a team, play in tournaments, watch right. tournaments. Uh, it's going to be all the rage. It's just going to be like building a gym for gamers. And uh, it's still very early. There's tons to be learned. Uh, a lot of it's driven by partnerships and sponsorships. And, um, you know, the investment's definitely high. Uh, so there might not be some returns for a while. But uh, those venue spaces are, are key. They're crucial.
0: Right, right. No, and I think there's, so there's two things I kind of want to unpack. The first that you mentioned is, you know, while esports continues to have these huge steps and these big headlines keep coming out, it's just still so early, like you're mentioning. Um, and I think, you know, it's important to not get too ahead of yourself, um, in some of these situations, but the other one is, what do you think of these spaces? Can you elaborate a little bit more on how they're beneficial to not only, you know, kids or or young adults in that community that can go to these venues and play at them. But what role do these kind of facilities also play for professional organizations that might be able to come in and practice and utilize a professional space like that?
1: I think I have two answers for you. So in regards to, um, maybe a young player who wants to advance his play, maybe work on his stream, build out his stream, but maybe doesn't have the, fi- you know, the capital or the, fi- you know, the financial stability to go out and buy a $3,300 computer and, uh, you know, top of the line peripherals. Right. These spaces are going to allow access to that type of quality of equipment for, you know, five ten 10 bucks an hour uh, where, you know, at some point maybe you can justify that cost over two to three years, but, you know, it just provides uh, the ability to go play with Titleist and Pro V1s at Top Golf instead of you know crappy equipment that you know doesn't trans doesn't translate. And so um, you know, uh, also as these professional teams and these professional leagues start to formalize and franchise, houses can only you know uh, are only compatible with so much internet speed. And not a lot of these houses are laying, a, you know, a 10G internet pipe uh, with, with with maximum internet capability and speed yeah. with, with, with less lag time. So when teams are traveling to pr- uh, particular cities, like, you know, if you're going to Detroit for the LCS, there's no gaming. I mean, there's a new gaming facility called High Score or something in Auburn Hills. Um, but I don't know if any professional teams used it. But a gaming facility in downtown Detroit would have been crucial for those teams that came in to play for the LCS because, uh, when I when I was at the Overwatch uh, homestand in Atlanta, the space that they had set up. I mean, I talked to the people from the Toronto Defiant, and they were like, "Man, this is not this is not the space we needed to practice properly." what mm-hmm. we're playing for so these facilities while not only providing opportunities for semi-pro gamers or you know professional hopefuls or people that are trying to build their careers they're also going to be crucial for when these organizations come into your city and you know that allows you allows you to interact with your community create an event space for them and like these these while it is expensive these facilities need that top-of-the-line equipment to draw those teams in because they won't they won't come in uh if they're you know if you're working with ten sixties and, and, and yeah. you know crappy Corsairs, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I think it definitely makes your city more attractive for esports, um, to, you know, build off of that. And and on your first point, I think it's also great for, you know, someone who's young and maybe they're trying to try out streaming and, and see if that's a thing for them and maybe their parents aren't convinced yet or maybe they don't understand the whole esports streaming thing yet and, and that's a great opportunity to not only allow their child to use professional gaming gear like that, but for the parents to also step into a facility that's so state of the art. You, and, um, and You see like
1: the facility that 100 Thieves is building, right? They right. have 13,000 square feet, but they're building like eight pods there for streamers. Like when Tim the Tatman comes to visit, right? they want a space where he can come stream. And so I think that those are and I, I don't know And if somebody finds a gazillion dollar idea on your podcast then I want to cut, but there's <laughs> like, you know, we'll that got, you've got these gaming facilities that are popping up, but the money is behind the content creators and streamers, right. And, right. And, and the professional gamers. So, you know, not pigeonholing yourself, like we're a gaming facility, we're a content creation facility. And when you're coming into, you know, when you're coming into Orlando or you're headed to Chicago, you know, X, Y, Z hub is where we have top of the line microphones and cameras and backdrop, tr- you know, green screen, green uh, backdrops. Because when you step away, as you know, when you step away from your stream and you get away from your schedule, that's money out of your pocket. Oh, so, absolutely. You know, when yeah. you have these facilities that you can go to and pop in and, and do your stream on the road, do a little road game action. I think there's a, there's a huge market behind that that isn't even really you know, being looked at because everyone's kind of looking at just, just gaming.
0: No, that's a great point. I mean, for, for those top streamers that stream every day, stepping away two to three days can can be a big decrease in cash for them Dude. for the donations. Yeah, subs, everything. So that's a great, it's a great point. Um, and then kind of transitioning, I know that we have to tread lightly here, but, you know, tell us a little bit, how's your first introduction to Roundhill been? How have you enjoyed that process? And I know we'll just speak briefly about this.
1: Yeah, uh, Roundhill is... Um, it's fantastic. Will, uh, Hershey, and Tim Maloney are two unbelievable entrepreneurs that have uh, great financial service backgrounds. Um, you know, they uh, BidCraft Esports Ventures saw a lot in them, and which is another reason why I wanted to join them on this this venture. Um, they uh, our relationship started via LinkedIn. Uh, yet again, two young guys. Yeah. I saw Vanderbilt. I put up the post on LinkedIn the other day about my first message to Will. And we yeah. out on the phone, just had a great conversation, and that turned into a relationship. And just check ins, they're just, I mean, they're young guys. Thirty, I think mean, they're in their their low thirties. And we just yeah. continued to communicate. I went up to the Fortnite World Cup, and literally after like two beers at the Fortnite World Cup, <laughs> we were in the Uber on the way back, and Will's like, "Do yeah, you think you could do this for us?" And I was like. Maybe, yeah. And yeah. so, um, like, obviously, so I'm not regulated. You know, I don't have my my Series Seven or 63, and I'm not planning on getting it anytime soon. So, um, I was basically bought up, brought on to to build a brand around uh, Roundhill, and build a brand around being a thought leader in uh, in esports. So we're working on really creating content around a financial services company. Uh, That's engaging and educational and informative uh, in the form of a podcast, a YouTube series, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, considering TikTok, uh, blog series and, um, you know, uh, really leveraging that. Content to educate the general public on investing and investing in esports and how to do it and how to do it properly. Um, so it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's it was a cool project. It's definitely a risk. It's something that's definitely taking me out of my comfort zone. While I did study marketing, I never thought I'd be in a marketing role based on what I had been doing in sales nice. and business development. So the combination of business development and 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 uh, and uh, really being, um, you know, kind of their head of marketing is something that took me out of my comfort zone and listen, mm-hmm. uh, I can sell and do business development my whole life. I've, I've proven that I can do that, but, uh, I was excited about this because it completely took me out of my comfort zone in something I had done before.
0: No, that's awesome. I'm, I'm a firm believer in getting uncomfortable is one of the best things you can do for yourself and really allows you to grow. So I love that touch. And I think this is a great transition into our next segment you know, with your role, how how important LinkedIn and things like that will be. I know that you have a huge passion for LinkedIn. You are by far. Um, I think, you know, I'll share real quick the story of, you know, so we connected on Instagram and we talked about that at the beginning of the podcast. Um, you had started a YouTube series of videos and I checked out one of the videos and you actually Began to mention, you know, I knew the power of LinkedIn for, you know, accounting, recruitment and that whole sort of thing. But you started talking about LinkedIn and the power of it within eSports right now. And as I was growing Lodges, I hadn't even thought of it. So next thing you know, I have learned so much from LinkedIn. And now that I'm more engaged on the eSports side of LinkedIn, I see you everywhere. I know that you are all over it every day. So this will be an exciting uh, segment (laughs) to chat about. So first off, I guess I'll just let you take it wherever you want to. How do you see or how big of a role does LinkedIn play in your day-to-day life and and how
1: much do you (laughs) work? You know, it's funny. Um, My mom is a big supporter of anything that I do, uh, obviously. And she is like, why don't you just go work for LinkedIn? I'm like, like, interesting thought. You know, that's something I really want to do. Maybe if they call one day. Um, I'm a huge believer in LinkedIn. I've been on LinkedIn for a long time Um, before it was even really taken seriously. And I think it's still really immature. As that poll I put up today, I mean, that's a group of 60 of my fraternity brothers. And I was the only person to like the link, you know, on my own poll uh, on LinkedIn. And not knowing still my fraternity brothers barely use it um, and uh, i I you know uh, my my girlfriend will tell you my you know my friends will tell you, my parents will tell you I spend eighty percent of my day on LinkedIn, and yeah. that just comes from connecting to educating myself to trying to get my thoughts out onto a platform that is. I, I will say is very respectful. It is such a authentic platform because it's there for business. There's no, not much political propaganda. There's not much drama. There's no hate. There's no, you know, you're wrong. There's, there's healthy debate, but there's nothing, you know, that would, def, that would, there's nothing that would, um, you know, take you off of there and feeling negative or, or churn up. Which is what I love about it. It's all about people who are looking to build careers and and educate on professions, educate on, on part- particular industries. And it's such a progressive platform. Um, it's such a, it's such a great place. And it's, it's, it's an important thing for me. And quite honestly, it's what got me my job. It's what's gotten me most of my jobs. Uh, right. I, I mean that my, my continued, I mean literally the, the videos and the traction that I was getting of just creating, starting to create content, you know, how I got into the LinkedIn live beta platform was just creating video content. And that's what r- led Roundhill to, Literally creating a job for me. And they're, you know, they were like, they kind of wanted that traction.
0: Yeah. How did, and, and, you know, so you've used it for other jobs as, you know, you've hopped into esports. How much, you know, how important has it been to just, you know, I, I'd like to know to compare to myself and others yeah. when you're doing, you know, your research on esports day to day, do you spend, do you spend all your time researching for esports inside of LinkedIn? Do you go onto Google and search for esports, or what has kind of been your strategy for that?
1: I, um, I, as I've said before in, in videos, the the esports hashtag on yeah. LinkedIn. I mean, there's 5,500 people on it, and right. that's grown since the last time I've talked about it. So it's growing rapidly, but yeah. that's still no one. I mean, that's uh, that's right, nobody. So on average there's three to four new posts with a, with an esports hashtag on it a day yeah. so if you've if you've hashtagged it i've liked it and i've commented it. i want <laughs> yeah. you to know my name and quite honestly i'm starting to see you do it you're starting yeah, to pop up yeah. on some stuff and yeah. literally that's what i encourage so you know the thing about esports right is the is the demo so 18 to 35 You've got a lot of people who are using Twitter and using Discord, and they're you know that's where they're doing a lot of their networking, which is totally fine. But one of the things I've always said is that the people that are hiring for the jobs that they still want are on LinkedIn. You know, Bobby Kodak is on LinkedIn, and um, you know Nate Nanzer is on LinkedIn. And, you know, you've got all these terrific executives uh, who Paul Brewer is on LinkedIn. Those are the guys that you want to connect with. If you're a gamer, don't care who you are. You still want to have that professional presence because the reach that that LinkedIn gets you and that, you know, that organic reach that gets your content, and your thoughts in front of people that you might care about. You never know when somebody in an executive role will end up seeing a comment that you make or seeing a post that you've created, something like that and they might reach out for 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 a job and i don't think that you know happens on a ton of other platforms definitely doesn't happen you might happen on twitter where it's probably is a little more creative but on a pro- professional platform where i have been doing where my videos essentially got me a job i mean linkedin's the only place to to do that
0: no definitely and you know i actually have a hot take right now so this is a great place to transition into this you know as i've searched esports a little bit more on linkedin and, and seen the network on there i've noticed that I've actually come across some Twitch affiliates and Twitch partners and influencers in the, the streaming world and in the esports world that actually, you know, I don't know how long they've had a LinkedIn, but I'm definitely finding them on there now. So I've had a hot take. Totally. I'd like to get your take on it. What do you think about Twitch, you know, affiliates? Whether you're on Mixer, YouTube, and you know, it is your job this is what you do 24 seven and you're serious about it. What do you think about them beginning to shift into the LinkedIn landscape on
1: eSports? It's perfect timing. Listen, I have a dad who was Deutsche Bank, Alex Brown, Wachovia, private equity, now M&A. I was born, I came out of the womb in a suit. So (laughs) I literally like, that's just the world I was born into. And to put a hat on backwards and to make that my profile picture on LinkedIn was like the biggest gamble I ever could have made personally with my own father. I think that uh, speaks about
0: your brand. I, I love it. Just I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah.
1: it. But but I think that says a lot to where careers are headed now. You know, like the suit is only needed in certain scenarios, right? Yeah. Like I haven't worn a suit since I left the NFL. Um, and I mean, unless I, I, I'm, I'm headed to a meeting where I find it to be appropriate or a meeting with NBC or private equity, but I also right. want to be respectful to the brand that I've tried to, you know, this is esports. you know, we're not, it's not formal. I'm not trying to put on, you know, in, impress you with my looks. I'm trying to impress you with my knowledge. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that also goes to say that there's plenty of other professions out there that are now revenue generating pr- professions, like being a streamer, being a right. professional gamer. That need to be on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter what your profession is. People are curious about who you are and what's gotten you to where you know where you want to be. If there's someone out there who you know was financial services for a long time and had a really or an accountant in something, and they bailed, the next thing you know, they've gone from like an accountant at wherever, and now they're approached, you know, and now they're a full-time streamer on on Twitch, and like that resume change, Like, I want to know that person, and I want to know why. Right, the right. same thing as Joanna Ferries. I wanted to know all about Joanna Ferries because she left the NFL to go to Activision. I wanted to know why. Right, and so you know now that streamers are starting to say, "Listen, this is a career. This is a revenue generator. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That is a career, and it and it needs to be on LinkedIn. And and quite honestly, I think that careers like that will start to encourage more unique things. Like you know, esports isn't even a category on. LinkedIn it, right now. you know you can't not, yeah. put it as a job title yeah so uh it's all very filled in type information but i think that'll encourage a lot more people like you know if you're a youtuber youtubing is a career my right man. you know it's right. like that should be something that you're able to be put to put on your resume and be proud of just yeah. where we are in 2019
0: yeah no definitely so for all our young listeners you've now heard it from someone else that is very that is very deep in East. Anyone
1: tells you that YouTubing isn't a you know a, a an actual career, go take them Mr. Beast profile and be like exactly. shove it up your butt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome, awesome. It was great to get your take on that. And so the, the last kind of thing I want to touch before we move on from LinkedIn is, and you've started to hop into it now a little bit, is what are your first impressions? Of LinkedIn Live, kind of touch real quick for those that don't know what it is or what the program is, speak on it really quickly about how you've enjoyed that so far.
1: Uh, I I applied for LinkedIn Live a long time ago. Did my first uh, session yesterday two days ago? Yesterday? Yesterday. Um, and it was awesome. Uh, a lot yeah. of fun. Actually, I've done two. I did one with Chris Smith over in Australia, and then I did one myself. And then I'll be doing one tomorrow morning as well, 9:30 Eastern. Um, and you know, it's just I want to engage and communicate live and answer questions live. That's how I want it to be. I don't want to talk about anything. About myself any more than the first episode. I just want to listen to questions, talk about networking, talk about career growth and and things like that. Um, It's a a cool, it was, it was meaningful to get accepted and I'm excited to watch it grow and be a part of it.
0: Yeah. No. And I think it's interesting too, because I mean, you talk about a streamer, a YouTuber, I mean, it's just interesting to continue to see things move away from traditional TV where now you have so much just being consumed Mm -hmm. from People streaming from home, their offices, wherever. So I thought it was super cool to see LinkedIn roll that out. Um, So I hope that goes well for you. I'll definitely be checking in on some of those.
1: I appreciate Um,
0: it. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of want to move into a little bit now of a comparison chat between esports and traditional pro sports, Um, you know, really where they're at right now and talk about some similarities and um yeah let's start there what are some and you can be as broad as you want wherever you feel about talking on what are some similarities you see right now between you know esports and traditional pro sports
1: um there's plenty of similarities Uh, i think there's a stigma that esports needs to follow traditional sports to be successful right um quite honestly i think the following the Large arena model is one thing that people, you know, they see. Okay, we packed out Oracle, so we need to have our own stadiums. I I, highly, 100,000 percent disagree. Um, I think that uh, esports is driven by uh, being inclusive, being tight knit, being a really great, you know, passionate community. So smaller stadiums for of two to three to four thousand, five thousand people uh and, and really finite packed houses are going to be crucial for uh for home games like you know Blizzard Arena out in uh, wherever it is uh, for uh, Burbank um I like stadiums like that yeah um and then when you get to your grand finals your summer splits your LCSs your Overwatch grand finals that's when you go to the big boy stadiums and you fill those out and you pack those out and you create a presence um, you don't you know because i think quite honestly there's so esports is so raw that's going on all the time there's so many different tournaments if you try and pack these larger venues out all the time it's just going to show that it it, it can't do that when in reality it can but if you try to do it too much statistically it just won't so um that's like a similarity but not similarity that i struggle Mm with um and why I think the venue space that, you know, when you're building out these smaller venues, when they can hold smaller, finite get-togethers, I, I think those are going to be very important for esports. Um, and another thing where it's just kind of rewriting the script. Yeah. Um, sales is one thing that, the, uh, that esports needs to take from traditional sports. Being in ticket sales, that career path of going and being a, a young, you know, a, a ticket seller intern, going on that that path of trying to become a VP of an organization, learning that sales process, learning how to sell, learning to be confident on the phones, you know, bringing that sales skill into, into eSports is something that uh, eSports needs to adapt from traditional sports because ticket selling is like, you know, like nothing you've ever seen. It is 100 calls a day, setting up two meetings. Hopefully, right. you know, one of those meetings turns into, you know, booking four season tickets for, you know, for the Oakland Raiders, which leads me into... My, my next kind of similarity uh, or I guess key in traditional sports and esports, it needs to mesh. It all mm. needs to mesh because it already does, but there's some friction in to meshing it together for some reason. I struggle with the NFL. I struggle with the NFL now is getting more proactive about it. Like the Oakland mm. Raiders, that article the other day, their sponsorship with Twitch. I mean, yes. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> that is going to be so cool. And right, then, right. You know, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. They bought the Pittsburgh Knights, and then you've got Kroenke. You bought the Valiant. All these new stadiums need to have some sort of esports component to it um, to not succeed, because that's not what it, you do it for. But to innovate, you know, to show that like, listen, I, we are traditional sports, but there's an entire other demographic that's playing video games, and we want to we want to engage with them as well, right? Like I've said before, the Pro Bowl, which I sold tickets for myself at on location. Um, this is the biggest nightmare event you know, on the planet. Uh, it, it's, yeah. You know, and this last year showed it. I mean, nobody wanted to play. It was raining. It was terrible. Jason Witten broke broke the trophy, and the whole thing is crap. <laughs> but listen, man, let, let's just let's just embrace where we are. Juju Smith Schuster was on the cover of Sports Illustrated the other day. Yeah. He HyperX Absolutely. headset talking about gaming. Like that's a huge moment, and yeah. one that I don't think a ton of people in traditional sports are paying too much attention to. It's like, oh, you know, some players playing video games, whatever. But, you know, think of an event where you take the linemen off the field for the Pro Bowl. You do seven on seven. The linemen are doing a lifting competition and eating competition on the side. You bring all of your gamers uh, in the league down to Orlando and you set up a Fortnite activation and you work and, and you partner with the U.S. Army and create a huge activation. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, you know, you really work hard at engaging that 18 to 35 year old demographic. That's where um, I think the NFL is missing a little bit. And other leagues are embracing. So I love what the NBA is doing with the NBA 2K League. Um, yeah, Formula One fan. is creating a series. You know, they, they have their series, which yeah. is you know getting rave reviews. Um, FIFA has a, has a series. So this is now turning into me and my frustration with the NFL and how much they like to <laughs> lag behind. Um, but uh, and I I'm probably getting away from what your actual question was. But no, no, the no. you know the esports is such a center point for entertainment and music and traditional sports that, you know, it can all come together in so many unique ways. Traditional sports uh, is, uh, is a really, really unique way for both, both industries to take another step by leveraging each other absolutely i agree with that
0: um and it's cool to continue to see like you're mentioning different whether that's the nfl nba those beginning to collaborate a little bit and like you're saying build off of each other i know for the nba you know you've got guys like josh hart myers leonard and NBA that are being big advocates for that and that's just cool to to see that develop um so what do you uh, that was on the similarity side what do you see on some differences what are some things that You know, maybe what's something that you think people believe to be true in both esports and traditional sports, um, that that you think have big differences?
1: Um, you know, health and wellness is, uh, is a difference, but it's a similarity in a way, Right. you know, um, just because you're sitting in a chair, not breaking a sweat all day, doesn't mean you're not an athlete in my opinion. Um, I mean, listen, I'm a golfer and sometimes I, I, you know, I I never sweat and just because I'm walking bowlers don't sweat professional dark players on sweat. Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to now tell me that, you know, that poker doesn't deserve to be on on ESPN just because like, you know, spare me. Um, (laughs) so, uh, you know, um, health and wellness is something that is very vital, but it'll be very different. I think what Mamba Sports Academy and and state space are doing with physical fitness and cognition is for gamers is going to be crucial moving forward. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see like some of the stuff and, and the practices they start to implement. You know, when you start talking about your juju's of the world and you start talking about you know, your Marquise Hollywood Browns, when they start to see what these gamers are learning on a cognitive level and, and, and eyesight and speed and quick twitch muscles and, and reaction time, I think some of that stuff will transfer into, the, into traditional sports. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure guys are doing that already. I mean, you look at Alvin Kamara's offseason. He's doing crazy stuff. So once yeah. they start to see what game – once, you know, professional gaming becomes such a staple, which it already is, but it grows into, uh, you know, where I think it will be in five, ten years – Those traditional athletes are going to want to look at what um, professional gamers are are doing on a cognitive level because uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be really important for them to, to, to keep eyesight sharp and and cognition things. And then, you know, work on those quick twitch muscles and then, you know, you want to be healthy as a gamer. You you know, I think, um, uh, I forget who it is on phase right now. Who's, who's really kind of shown his fitness journey. Yeah. What's his name? Him. I'm forgetting his name. I can't believe I it. I saw his Instagram video yesterday, though. Yeah. yeah but it's Instagram. great to see, right? And those guys creating a healthy lifestyle, showing what they're doing in gaming, where you can be a streamer and a gamer and live a healthy lifestyle and have a riff jack physique. You know, it's something yeah. for these young gamers and streamers to look up to and be like, listen, I don't have to just sit here all day uh, and not right. be healthy, right? right. Which is, I think is a little bit of a stigma on the outside looking in. Um, but I think that that's a big kind of different similarity that'll develop over time.
0: Right, right. No, I'm right there with you. Um, okay. Let's transition a little bit into salaries and prize pools. Um, where do you think right now, you know, you compare, especially this year in the last couple of months, we have seen some big numbers, right. In esports tournaments, um, whether that was Fortnite or, or Dota or whatever the case was, where do you see that right now? Really, I guess a good question is where do you see the money pool that an esport player or professional can make right now compared to your traditional professional athlete?
1: Where do I see it in regards to like, are they making enough or like, right, they-
0: right. Um, no, no, no how much I'm, I'm digging too far. Let me No, know. no,
1: no, it's a it's a good question. It's it's and, and because I'm trying to think of the right ant. I'm trying to think of the like the like where we're at now. So like right. you know, you see these contracts coming in for Ezekiel Elliott that are, you know, ninety million dollars and things like that and, and yes. those guys play into those. And you're just starting to see contracts that are 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 you know that are coming out with your tifus and and things like that, things that are starting to get a little wonky like what did that? Mm-hmm. I mean, Booga walked away with like what? I don't know, maybe nine hundred thousand dollars from the entire yeah. thing, with his contract with the Sentinels and all this stuff, and yeah. you know, based on all the sponsorship dollars that are coming in, this is all just so unwritten and such unheard of money, at least for the time being. That I think there's a lot to be learned. I don't yeah. think Booga is walking away with enough money, to be totally honest. He's the one sitting down there playing enough money, and the Sentinels taking, I don't know, how much was it? Uh, like. 40 percent or yeah, whatever it's a percentage. it was I'm not sure yeah. the
0: exact percent but it's a huge number and it's too yeah.
1: much right I and mean, these guys are playing for six hours a day and sometimes longer and then training and watching film and doing all that I mean you know they're and and um in an industry that's driven by sponsorship right now and not media rights. it's interesting to understand how much value you know how much to value uh, to, to to value Booga? Like, quite honestly, I think he's probably worth closer to six million dollars for winning that Fortnite. Uh, just based on like yeah. the social media traction that he drove, the eyes that yeah. he got on him, every single thing. I mean, he 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 got totally undercut. Um, I agree. I agree. And you know that's the first time. You know that's the first. That's the that's number one. But I can assure you, moving forward. There will be some much larger numbers, and the percentages for the teams will be much smaller. Because at the end of the day, now that he's got $900,000, I mean, he should walk – quite honestly, in my opinion, he should go solo and walk away from the Sentinels. There's no rule that says you need to be a part of it, at least to my knowledge. You might know differently.
0: No, I don't think you have to.
1: Like, no. why, like, why not take that $900,000, walk away from the Sentinels, because you can clearly make it back. I'm assuming if you win, you can make it back a year later if you're still qualifying and working your hardest. Um, I would walk away. And I would no. take, you know, yeah. if you're going to lose half the New York taxes anyway, I would pocket all $1.5 right. So So, um, and I think that's what, uh, what, what uh, what's the kid's name, Skeptic did uh, for, uh, for the Misfits. I'm sure he had a bad contract. So, you know, these yeah, contracts sure. are weird. They're weird yeah, and yeah. uh the, the pro players are undervalued right now.
0: Yeah, no, and it's interesting because the trend that I saw, you know, going into the cup, I know we both were able we didn't know each other at the time, but I know we both were able to attend that event. And it was interesting to see the weeks leading up to it, so many players wanted to be on a team so that they could represent a team and be part of that, which I quite frankly, and I think that's something that right now, while there's, you know, no real infrastructure. While there's a very weak infrastructure in esports, I think that's something that was a misconception by players thinking that you know.
1: Now, listen. As you know, I'm a huge Phase Clan fan. Yeah. And I, okay, yeah. that is something I agree with being a part of. There's a lot more that comes with that, right? There's right, a lot more right. opportunity that comes with a lifestyle brand, a huge brand that FaZe Clan has built. Now, if you're, but as you've seen from the thing I shared on LinkedIn yesterday, after the first four teams and an overall team revenue, there is a massive fall off. Right. Huge. Right. Um, so you know, I hadn't heard of the Sentinels until I, I saw Booga. Yeah, right. No, no. So, yeah. you know, like if you're if you're on a phase clan, then yeah, you win the Fortnite World Cup, you want to support your brand that, that got you there. You know, and, and, but and, but then yeah. again there's you know, there could like Booga couldn't want to be the face of the Sentinels. You could want to build up that organization. You know, right. you yeah. could want to take that up to a phase clan level. But you know, phase clan's been doing trick shots since twenty ten on Call of Duty, right? Yeah, so exactly. like they've been around for a second. Um, so there's going to be a lot of that, right? There's going to be some kid like next year, four or five years from now, who literally is a part of a team that he signed with and they just started two weeks ago and you know, they're going to, you know, have some dog shit contract that's like, you know, 50% of winnings and they didn't know how good the talent was. He didn't know how good he was and there's going to be a massive outbreak,
0: um,
1: so, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of give and take about yeah. who you're a part of and who you're representing, I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it should have been a bit more specific there. I definitely agree that if you've got like a phase or 100 Thieves, anything like that, it shows just, a lot, though. It shows a lot of
1: like where we are. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. who would have thought a kid from, you know, not from 100 Thieves or phase, if you're looking from the outside in, not knowing much about esports, could have walked in and won. Right. right. So, there's a lot of people's, the amount of people that asked me, why, did, why didn't Ninja win? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you're not keeping up with the, you're right, you're exactly, up with the sports. The right. Exactly. You exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different career for him. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, while we're on the subject, something, and I know this is a little bit more of a financial question. Um, but I think it's be beneficial for our audience, provide a bit of value for our audience. Um, you know, what are some benefits? I think, People are looking at negative sides of, you know, a 16 year old like Boga coming into sums of money, you know, net 900000 or whatever. But what are some of the benefits that you see from a young player receiving that much money and having to handle that at a young age compared to, you know, for example, your traditional pro athlete wouldn't encounter that kind of money until their early 20s? Um, I think that there are some good money habits that can be learned from that, as well as there could be some negative things. But what is your outlook on? are you such a young individual coming under those sums of money.
1: Um I think uh, some people are gonna learn some lessons and they're gonna learn them quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know when you when you make that type of money early, I think it comes a lot comes down to parenting. Um mm-hmm. you know, what type of parent do you have, who's managing your money? I had the opportunity to meet Nick Merckx's dad, at uh, the Fortnite World Cup and that guy has switched on. He knows exactly, you know, what his son is doing and how to and how to handle him uh, and is very professional and, and it was great to see. Um, so I think parenting com- becomes a big part of it. You know, knowing that you know you can't make nine hundred thousand dollars and just immediately go spend a hundred as if it's going to continue to come. You need to take that. You need to take that capital and you need to invest it. You need to protect it yeah. because you know same thing with the NFL. I mean, your average pro career in the NFL is two to three years. Yep. That can be a lot shorter in gaming, I believe. There's more athletes, more opportunities, a lot of different ways to make money, and it can go fast. And, yeah. um, you know, it's great to buy yourself a new computer every time it comes out and, and things that enhance your gameplay. But, you know, I don't even know what guys are spending their money on right now. But <laughs> if you're, whatever yeah. it is, if you're buying too much of it and yeah. you look back five years from now and you haven't won a tournament in, in three years, yeah, you're gonna wish you had that 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 five hundred thousand dollars, and I and I know that there's plenty of that young mentality. Where it's like okay, I gotta spend, 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 but you know it's time to save and it's time to invest.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I think you know Nick Merx is a great example of a parent that, I and mean, he shared his story before about his dad, you know, wanting him play football and all that, and now it's cool to see his dad so bought into his esports career. Um, but no, I definitely agree that spending habits will be learned. I think some people will make some mistakes, but yeah, your esports career isn't forever. That's the slogan and kind of what I'm big on right now, that it's not going to last forever, just like your traditional pro sports. I think in that area, esports and pro sports can relate that your career and that isn't forever and you're going to have to your plan body, for the future. Your
1: body Your body dwindles in football and your eyesight dwindles in gaming much, much faster, as we know. I mean, you get to yeah. 22 and you just get slower in the eyes. The average age of the Fortnite World Cup was 16. If you don't right. have cash saved up by the time you're 21, good chance you can start losing just because you're physically not fast enough to win.
0: Right. Right. That's a great point. That's a great point. All right, Herb. Well, as we start to wind down a little bit and and get to the conclusion of the podcast, uh, the way that we're going to end these, these episodes with guests is kind of a bit of a lightning round. Um, I'm calling it the lodges seven right now. Uh, seven is my favorite number. I don't really have a name yet. So, for any listeners that might have a name, tweet or DM me. Um, I'm not too creative on that side. Uh, but this should be fun for you. You know, This is just kind of for our audience. You know, you've know, you been chatting for about an hour, so they've gotten a good grip of you, but kind of just some fun things maybe about Herb and, and who you are. So let's hop into the first one. So if, we'll make this one easy. If you're about to take a flight, what snack are you grabbing before you board? Beef jerky. Beef jerky, okay, cool, cool. Um, if you could be the host of any TV show, so you know, like a game show. What host would you be?
1: Uh, Shark Tank doesn't have a host, but I'd want to be on Shark Tank.
0: Okay, okay, that's fair. No, no. We Does can, that count? Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that.
1: Right. Big fan of that. Okay.
0: Um, if you could pick anybody to hang out with for one day, who would you pick?
1: Oh God. Um, <sighs> like it's a super tie between Bill Belichick and Tiger Woods. And I don't like Bill Belichick. I respect Bill Belichick enough that I want to pick his brain for a day.
0: There you go. There you go. I like that answer. Um, All right. This one's interesting. And you're a good person to ask this. Covering any sport you want, professional sports, who is on your Mount Rushmore? (laughs) Gosh. Top of your head. You don't have to. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: Tiger Woods. Okay. Uh, Ray Lewis. Nice. Um God, dude, this is brutal. Uh Kyle Ripkin. Uh-huh. Um and uh man, like I love Brooks Kepka so much. Uh uh-huh. I, I really do. Um and uh you know, I'm a huge phase Banks fan. I'm gonna throw an Esports <laughs> there. You know, I think he's, I like a, he's wild, I think he's a nut. Uh, uh, I had the opportunity to meet him in New York. I think, you know, might, might as well respect the industry we're in, right? There we yeah. go.
0: There you go. No, I like that. That's a cool take. Cool take. Okay, this one's easy. Are you a cat or dog person? Dog. No, that's what I thought you'd be, I guess. Um, let's see. If you could be the star of any movie, what movie would you pick? So you can be any character, any actor, guest. Uh,
1: if I Wait, so I, I'm sorry. I'm a character of a movie?
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you'd be any star of a movie, who would you be?
1: Okay, so I'd want to be Idris Elba in When when He is the New James Bond.
0: Okay, okay. Cool, cool.
1: Because I'm obsessed with Idris Elba and James Bond is my favorite movie growing up.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Fun facts about Herb. Uh, Okay, this was a little bit more deeper. If you could ask God one question,
1: what would it be? Why don't people think gaming is a sport? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, that was seven. But I threw in a bonus one since we both have the SEC relationship and connection. So I got two college football questions for you. Oh, so God. what is your early season prediction of SEC champions?
1: Ugh, Ugh. Gross. I mean, LSU looked so good the other night, it man. did. They really did, and I hate it. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead, and I'm never gonna doubt Alabama. I'm gonna say some sort of Alabama LSU potential.
0: Okay, I like that.
1: Yeah. So I mean, winner winner wise, yeah, yeah, You know, like it's gonna be one of the two.
0: Okay. What about college champion this year? College football. Who is it?
1: Ooh. I really like what I saw from Oklahoma. The okay. other night, uh, yeah. Jalen yeah. Hurts is out with a with a chip on his shoulder in a big way. Um, yeah. But I think Alabama's offense is deadly, and still, I'm gonna go with Clemson. Clemson, okay, <laughs> I
0: like that. I like it. I like
1: it. <laughs> well, I snuck awesome. up on you there. I snuck up. No, you, know, on
0: you did. You threw it. In the <laughs> hey, I would be fine with that. I went to Auburn. I don't want to yeah, say. Yeah, there you I'm go. There you go. So. <laughs> All right, so Herb. Thank you so much man this has been a real real treat it's been real fun to have you on learn all about you thank you for all the expertise you've provided um you know you were the first guest so it was awesome to have you on and I think this will be great to you know continue to have professionals on like yourself that can share your expertise and insight for our young audience you know mid you know whatever the case may be um and build an awareness around esports and all that so I appreciate you coming on
1: man i uh if i could give you a quick plug yeah, you're like, you know, there's a lot of people who have reached out and have said, I want to do this, this and this, you know, you reached out and you said, I'm doing this and I want to talk to you about it. So there's plenty of people who are not acting. And as you and I both are, we're, you know, we're big, we're huge Gary V fans, Absolutely. Um, you know, like you encompass just going out and, and doing it. Like, I, I wish I was where you are with seven episodes of the podcast. I got to build my out soon. Um, so like respect to you and what you've done with lodges and super excited. I think what you're doing is crucial for where gaming is. Um, like it's, it's early enough that you're going to be a thought leader in it and and you crush it dude. So I I really, I mean, it means a lot to be your first guest and, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. That was a fun chat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun time. So Herb, where can they find you on social media? So I'm Herb May. There's two Herb Mays on
1: LinkedIn. I'm the younger, more youthful one. Uh, <laughs> LinkedIn is where I do the majority of my content. I'm Herbie May on uh, Twitter. Uh, so my old, as I, I grew up as Herbie, but uh, I'm Herbie, H-E-R-B-I-E-M-A-Y. I'm herb.may.410, Baltimore area code on Instagram. Uh, and then I don't really use Snapchat, but I have gotten on the TikTok train i've seen that it's crap it is crap (laughs) but uh it's funny as hell and um, i'm having a lot of fun with it trying to figure out how to use it but uh yeah i'm on tiktok as well
0: awesome awesome there you go guys there's everywhere you can find him so again thank you here for coming on um hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will catch you next time on the lodges podcast what's up guys thanks for listening please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this You can find us on social media at Lodges underscore financial. Please go check out our social pages where you can find lots of other great content committed to gaming and esports. This is also the best place to be kept up to date with everything going on at Lodges. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.